0: Welcome to this week's Screen Thoughts with Hollister and O'Toole, where we decided we had to talk about To Kill a Mockingbird with the exciting news that Harper Lee's book is gonna be coming out later this summer, Ghost set a Watchman. We thought it was a perfect time to go to one of the finest films ever made. The defendant is not guilty, but somebody in this courtroom is. Now, gentlemen, in this country, our courts are the great levelers.
1: In our courts, all men are created
0: equal. It is truly one of the great movies and books of all time, no question.
1: To Kill a Mockingbird was an incredible bestseller. It has never been out of print since it was first published in 1960. Harper Lee, of course, won the Pulitzer Prize for Fiction in 1961. Um, many people cite it as the most influential book in their lives, right up there with the Bible. Um, what I did not know is that Harper Lee, um, she became very close friends with Gregory Peck and his family during the filming, remained so, and Gregory Peck's grandson is actually named Harper after her.
0: You know, it's funny you bring that up because um, in my due diligence, Gregory Peck started reading the novel at eight o'clock at night around 6 a.m. the next morning, he called his agent and said, I want to do this movie. And the reason I want to do this movie is I lived this movie. He said he lost his father at a very young age, or maybe it was his mother, but I think it was his father, and he said he ran wild in a small town just like this one, and he didn't even have to research this part because he was this part. It's the only Academy Award he won, and he said afterward that he would be very happy to um, to be able to have the first line of his obituary be, and he won the Academy Award for To Kill a Mockingbird. And the other thing is, you know, there's the fabulous watch scene into kill a mockingbird and harper lee had the watch from her father and she sent it to gregory peck and he carried it up when he won the academy award so he had harper lee's father's pocket watch in his pocket when he won the academy award so there's a wonderful wonderful intimacy of the making of that film which was so great but at the same time harper lee lost a lot her best friend was truman capote who is the character, the, the visiting next-door neighbor kid. What's his name? Dill. Yes, yes. He is actually Truman Capote. Uh, it was based on Truman Capote, and they were fast, fast friends. But when she won the Pulitzer, Truman dropped her like a hot potato because he was so jealous he could, was beside himself. And so and yet so she helped was,
1: him do the research for his book In Cold Blood. I know. Which came I out, know. you know, a few years I after. Know. Yeah.
0: Well, no one ever accused Capote of being a nice guy. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, we should also mention Horton Foote, who wrote the screenplay and won the Oscar for Best Adapted Screenplay. He went on to write so many things, including *The Trip to Bountiful*. Um, he was the one who actually discovered Robert Duvall. I did not realize that this uh, was Robert Duvall. Radley, Robert Duvall, unbelievable yes, first moment his first for an role actor. In Horton Foote. Yeah. He went on to write Tender Mercies for Robert Duvall. And for that movie, which Mm -hmm. came out in 83, they both won the Oscar.
0: When I was rewatching To Kill a Mockingbird this morning to do this, I rewound the Boo Radley part. He's only in it at the end for just a few very brief moments. God, he's good. He is so good. He is so, so good. I was stunned it was him. It's the
1: first time I've ever seen him with hair. You know, and then Scout and Jem,
0: you know, they were local kids who were just discovered locally and really didn't go on to do much after that, but Uh, both of them did very, very well. And the director, when he was directing, he had them just playing outside and he kept the cameras pretty far away from them so that it was all very natural. And it certainly appeared that way in the film.
1: I read an interview with the woman who played Scout and she said that Gregory Peck invited those kids over to his house for dinner. She said that she lost both her parents at a very young age and Gregory Peck was the father she never had. She said that he was such a good guy and they all were so close on that set that she said hugging him was the most natural thing she could do. I thought it was terrific that they cast local kids with authentic accents.
0: And what's funny is the last scene that was filmed was the scene outside the uh, local jail. Mary Badham kept blowing the scene on purpose because she didn't want the movie to end. She didn't want the filming to end. So she kept blowing it, and finally her mother turned to her and said, get this done right the next time. So (laughs) she couldn't continue. So, you know, there are lots of wonderful anecdotes But really the reason this film is so important is because there's so many messages of family and of caring about another person and walking in another man's shoes and every piece of it is a heartbreaker and every piece of it is a lesson for us for all time. No question.
1: Just to put it in context, as you mentioned, Harper Lee grew up with Truman Capote as her best friend in Alabama, and um, just a few years before she wrote To Kill a Mockingbird, it was when Chief Justice Earl Warren penned the decision Brown versus Board of Education, which overturned the separate but equal doctrine. And you might recall Chief Justice Earl Warren is the grandfather of, to link it back to Hollywood... Tim and Tyne Daly. But two big events took place in Alabama, again, where Harper Lee was from. The first was that, again, a few years before she wrote it, Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat on the bus, which eventually led to the Montgomery bus boycott. Um, Harper's Lee father, he was also a lawyer, like Gregory Peck in the movie, and he served in the legislature, um, you know, in their town in Alabama. The second event was um, the integration or the attempt at integration at the University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa, which is where um, Harper Lee had gone to school just six years before, where massive unrest broke out um, and the administrators eventually barred Author and Lucy, that student from campus. So there was a lot going on in Alabama. And, um, you know, until her her next book comes out, it remains the only book um, published by Harper Lee to date she received the Presidential Medal of Freedom for her contribution to literature. Just an enormously influential book. And part of
0: what's great about this literature is nobody's angry. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, sure, there's anger and there's hostility in the film, you know, um, but Atticus never, ever, ever judges the people and their behavior. He just says over and over again, you know, until you walk in the man's shoes, you have no idea what he's really thinking. You know, it's funny, if you look at how she's Harper Lee has lived her life. She has never wanted the spotlights. It's never been about her ego. She just wanted to tell a story mm-hmm. and the enormity of 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 kudos and accolades that came from her telling the story was one of the things that that made her intimidated in telling another story. You know, and if you look at her actions, they're not dissimilar from Atticus's actions who would have been equally embarrassed at huge. Kudos and accolades for how he behaves in the movie. So there's something about her that I find extremely compelling, and this story is in some ways better because it doesn't judge any of the people in this. It just tells the story.
1: I think the framework is beautifully done. And again, Harper Lee was very happy with Horton Foote's adaptation of her book. Yes,
0: she mentions that numerous times, yes.
1: Um, And the structure of the book, similar to the structure of the movie, it opens with an adult scout looking back um, at her childhood where it reverts to the point of view of the child scout looking at the goings-on in her town. And again, it it was similar to Pollyanna, and her brother Jim reminded me of how Pollyanna hung out with Jimmy Bean. And you had (laughs) these characters in a town, um, and you realized that so many of the characters were victims of misfortune. First off, it takes place during the Great Depression. So the whole town is poor. Even, you know, Scout asks Atticus Finch, are we poor? And he says, you know, we're we're all poor. Um, In this era where everybody, you know, you hear the stories of people eating their shoe leather, and you realize that Scout and Jem lost their mother at a very young age. So they're half orphaned as children. Dill, the Truman Capote character, he shows up and his father has gone AWOL. So you realize that all these characters, including of course, Boo Radley, who the rumor is, is chained to his bed because, you know, his father is not nice to him. So all the characters have a lot going on in their lives. And I thought it was so interesting Similar to the book where the first half is really about Boo Radley and then you switch over to Tom Robinson and come back to Boo Radley, it's an hour and seven minutes into the movie before you even hear the voice of Tom Robinson who Atticus, of course, is defending. And that scene I thought was so great. Harper Lee said she used to do that um, with her father, who, again, was an attorney, where um, the little dill is standing on the shoulders of Jem and Scout looking into the courtroom, reporting what is happening and who's saying what. And it's this look at racial injustice through the eyes of a child, which I think was was truly a brilliant structure for this film.
0: But also, it meanders, and I will say, I don't know you could get away with it today. I don't know that you could meander through a story the way you can here. You know, I don't. A- another interesting thing in the filming was Gregory Peck, um, when um, Tom Robinson is telling his his tale in the courtroom of what happened, Brock Peters, who does an amazing job By the way, as Tom Robinson, and Mm -hmm. interestingly enough, it was the first time they didn't cast somebody who looked like Sidney Poitier to play somebody who was being wronged. It, you know, it was a major, major time of first. But at any rate, Gregory Peck could not do his part of uh, of the storytelling with Tom Robinson in the courtroom when uh Brock Peters was in the room so basically they filmed his questions and the answers separately because Gregory Peck couldn't stop crying and so he couldn't hold himself together during it and it was funny one of the things that Gregory Peck said he said I felt I could climb into Atticus's shoes without any play acting that I could actually be him so he clearly did take on this role and felt very committed to it but i think it's so it's just so sweet that he really couldn't actually have them shooting him cuz he couldn't keep himself together during the storytelling and to have you know to shoot this at that time when everything civil rights wise was so big must have been huge i mean we can't even imagine what that was like for this group you know can't imagine it
1: read that the studio did not want to film the book and it wasn't until Gregory Peck said that he believed in it
0: nobody wanted to do nobody it nobody wanted no. to do it
1: and it's <laughs> yeah. interesting too because everybody agrees that this role most embodies the character of Gregory Peck in real life so it is a little ironic he won the best actor oscar for playing this character which is supposed to be so like him but everybody says the way he cared about education in the movie is the way he cared about education in real life even one of his causes apparently was control and in this Real, town he's very reluctant to use a gun even though he's the best shot the moral rectitude of his character is so often cited even the american film institute declared atticus finch the hero of the century um, when gregory peck arrives on set wearing glasses and six foot three and you hear his voice you think okay here is a man who will stand up and do the right thing
0: and I think it's a testament to how America was feeling at that time that you know more than a million copies were sold pretty much right away. Mm-hmm. And if you think about that, um, it was a time of great turmoil and the fact that people were willing to look in the mirror this way. It was filmed actually on a lot in California and L.A. The set designer bought a bunch of houses that were being torn down as they were putting one of the major highways through the L.A. area And he bought a bunch of those houses and just brought them into the set and created this cute little town like this.
1: I thought the choice to film To Kill a Mockingbird in black and white was a terrific one. I did too. It was nominated for eight Academy Awards. It won three, and the third was really for Best Art Direction, which partly was that choice to film it in black and white. Interestingly enough, the big film to compete with it that year, which actually did win Best Picture, was...
0: Lawrence, yes, of Arabia. Lawrence, of Arabia. So Lawrence
1: of Arabia did win the Oscar for Best Picture, mm-hmm. but Peck beat out Peter O'Toole. Just some little-known facts about Gregory Peck. Early on in his stage career, he hurt his back so badly when Martha Graham was trying to make him a better dancer for one of these parts, that that's what exempted him from serving in World War II. Later, the studio, I guess, tried to say it was a rowing injury because he was a big rower when he went to Berkeley. Um, The other is, I remember a couple years ago, I was at Rockefeller Center in New York City, and I was going to go up to the very top and take a look down at the ice skating rink and the view of New York City. And there was a picture of Gregory Peck. So he used to lead tours of Rockefeller Center when he was just a down and out starving artist in New York. Um, And he did a screen test back then. And David Selznick looked at him and said he photographs like Abraham Lincoln. He thought he had no appeal. He wasn't good looking enough. And it's funny because of course, years later, Gregory Peck did go on to play Abraham Lincoln in a miniseries made for TV um, on CBS. Again, you know, he's played so many characters where he was supposed to show that moral rectitude.
0: Absolutely. I mean, no, no question about it.
1: Another thing that I thought was so well done in To Kill a Mockingbird was the portrayal of gender. And it was interesting that Scout, obviously, like Harper Lee, was such a tomboy and wanted to be, um, you know, able to do whatever the boys got to do, climbing trees and running around and going to court. And I am curious about this book that's going to be published in terms of what Happened to Scout? Was she able to pursue a career she really wanted? Was she able to have that self-actualization for herself as a woman in that time period?
0: The book supposedly she comes back to the to the small town uh, with and and deals with the issues that she saw as a child. And
1: when you see that courtroom scene, which so many lawyers cite as you know that they all want to be Atticus Finch. Again, it's very clear that there are only white men on the jury. Um, So no women on the jury. The atmospherics, just in terms of sound design, the ambient sound of the cicadas or grasshoppers chirping at night in this town.
0: I think the music around To Kill a Mockingbird is beautifully layered in. Beautifully, beautifully.
1: Elmer Bernstein was nominated for an Oscar for this. He was nominated 14 times. Now the
0: other thing is, a little piece of trivia, I'll give you one. Gregory Peck's Nine minutes summation speech was nailed in one take nine minutes in one take go ahead give it a shot reading it you can't do it in one take pretty amazing and also Brock Peters who plays Tom Robinson he actually gave Gregory Peck's eulogy uh, in Mm -hmm. in 2003 and um that's pretty pretty it says a lot about clearly how much that movie meant to him for him to be brought forward to, to do that.
1: And again, how close everyone was on that set. Um, another actress who makes an appearance is Aunt Stephanie next door. I know, um, wait, what have recognize... I seen her in? I meant to ask yes, you or look it up. That is Alice Ghostly, and uh, she was on Designing Women. She went on tour in Nonsense. She was in Bewitched, where she played Aunt Esmeralda. That was it. Yes, 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 yes. As a character actor over the years.
0: Philip Alford, who plays uh, Scout's brother, Jem, he didn't want to go to the auditions for the part of Jem Finch, but then his mom told him he would miss a half a day of school, so he said for sure he would go.
1: (laughs) So, but for the half day of school being missed, we wouldn't have him. You know that scene where he comes home and his sister's like, what are you doing? he said, I'm walking like an Egyptian? Yes. Do you think somebody saw that scene they were rewatching to kill a mockingbird when they came up with the pop song in the 80s? I don't know, maybe. <laughs> but
0: also, can I just say, you know, I'm always questioning titles like Still Alice. I felt, you know, she wasn't Still Alice and um to kill a mockingbird when when Scout says that line toward the end of, you know, dad, the sheriff is right. It would be like killing a mockingbird. And I thought, god, it's such an amazing moment, you know. It just—it's a—it's a showstopper. And by the way, she was the youngest uh, girl to receive an Oscar nomination. Wow. Yeah, she in her she, first ever role. I know, and she. And but she lost the award to uh, Patty Duke in *The Miracle Worker*. So, I mean, that was a pretty big year of amazing films, if you think about it. Also, when he went to the Academy Awards, Gregory Peck—he didn't think it a prayer—and uh, he felt that Jack Lemon playing the alcoholic in *Days of Wine and Roses* another movie of 62. 62 was a big year in film. He thought he was going to win.
1: You know, it's funny. One of, I thought, the greatest love stories of all time is I remember at just an old award show way, way back, somebody was talking about how Gregory Peck met his wife who, um, you know, he often cited as the great, great, great love of his life. And she was a French journalist. He was in Europe with Audrey Hepburn filming Roman Holiday. And it was the last night for him being in Europe. And he was answering questions from the press. And he met Veronique Passani, this French journalist, and just instantly fell for her. So he asked her to dinner. And he said she hemmed and hawed. And he thought, oh, I really blew it. She is not interested in me at all. She's trying to let me down gently. And what was actually going through her head is that she had just landed the scoop of her career. In an interview with Albert Schweitzer, who was, you know, a hero to so many. And she was supposed to interview him the night that Gregory Peck invited her to dinner. So she's weighing in her head, do I go to dinner with Gregory Peck, who's about to get on a plane and go back to America? Gregory Or Peck do I go or- interview Albert Schweitzer? <laughs> So obviously that's the choice she made, and they were together, you know, forever after. What I did not know until recently, this is how easy it is to pop my bubble, I didn't realize that Gregory Peck was married at the time. Oh, oh, so yeah. why, he was why, married- why do you have to do that? Why do you have to reign I'm on his so parade? Sorry. i just made him the best and, man in the entire world ever. I, and now, I am so sorry. He was married to a woman from Finland for, I think, about 12 oh, years up God. until that point. So Gregory, Gregory, so Gregory, sorry. Gregory. Okay,
0: who else auditioned for the role of Tom Robinson? Come on, you always know this. Stuff. Am I going to okay. actually get to stump O'Toole? James James Earl Jones? Okay,
1: you just looked it up. <laughs> you know, I think they should do a remake where James Earl Jones is Atticus Finch.
0: Okay, so wait. So it's ranked number two on the American Film Institute's 100 Most Inspiring Movies of All Time. And what about when he's spit upon and he... By the evil can, Mr. Yule. Exactly. But you see in that moment when he chooses... You know, to me, that's one of the moral fibers of all time. It's always a choice. You can always choose another way. And you could see the moment he was going to choose to either beat the heck out of him and have everybody help him, which they would have been happy to do, or he was going to walk away and he chose to walk away. It was a choice, and we always have a choice.
1: Another thing that made the movie so dramatic is that they interspliced in moments of levity to let the audience recover, and then they served a whole second purpose. So, for example, that scene where Jem has to walk his little sister home from the play where she had to play the ham and she can't find okay. her dress. Okay, not, not only
0: that, just the fact that she's playing a ham is hysterical. I she's loved it. She's playing
1: a ham in know, ham outfit. And then you realize that you get more bang for your buck because that ham then has to serve as another obstacle to her safety. So all of a sudden they're getting attacked in the woods and she can't see the attacker and she's wearing the ham for heaven's sakes. No, um, it's fabulous. There are moments of gravity. Yeah,
0: you know, and all were you surprised that, that Atticus didn't go see his daughter in the play? I would have gone. I was. That was the only moment where it's like, Atticus, you should have been there. Why were you not seeing her in her play?
1: His time was a little stretched, you know, I, fighting well, for justice you know, and I being know, a single but parent. I'm just
0: saying. I'm just saying. But look, if you haven't seen this film in a long time, um, read the book and then see the film again. And both will enrich your life substantially. And if your kids haven't seen this film, this is a family film to watch with your children and talk about those times gone by.
1: Oh, and you know what? I thought we might end with Gregory Peck accepting his Oscar.
0: Oh my God, do you have it?
1: I do. And he's actually introduced by Sophia Loren. It is my privilege to present the Oscar for the best performance by an actor. Those nominated are Burt Lancaster in Birdman of Alcatraz, Jack Lemmon in Days of Wine and Roses, Marcello Mastroianni in Divorce Italian Style, Peter O'Toole in Lawrence of Arabia, Gregory Peck in To Kill a Mockingbird. Now the winner is Gregory Peck in To Kill a Mockingbird. Thank you,
0: fellow Academy members. Thank you, Harper Lee, Alan Pakula, Robert Mulligan, Russ Harlan, all of my good friends and associates at the studio. Thank you, members of the press who cover the local scene, critics, columnists across the country who approved of my work and said so. And I want to thank my family, my good, close friends, who lent me inspiration and moral support and affection?
1: Thank you very much.